Matt? Matt, English? Matt, can you hear me? I can. Oh, how you doing? I am doing very well. How about yourself? Good, thank you. This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called the Who Gives a Shit Files. And a very busy trader on Wall Street has agreed to come on and talk about this topsy-turvy college football chaos. It is just insane. And so, Matt, where would you like to start? Well, I would like to start um, with something not college football related, um, but to give you a birthday shout out on your, what, 45th birthday? <laughs> yeah. 46? <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, but in all seriousness, happy birthday, Dad. It's uh Th- Thank you, Matthew. You are um, everything, uh, everything you could possibly ask for in a father, so I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Matthew, man. And you're a terrific son, and I couldn't ask for anything more. So um, appreciate the shout-out. So where would you like to start? Well, you could take this in any direction because last weekend was absolute chaos. That's a tough question because there are so many different places that you could start from and, and have a legitimate reason for doing so. On uh, any given college football weekend, um, you know, one or two of these topics would, you know, would take over the college football weir- world. And we've had, um, you know, what, four or five upsets this week. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty unbelievable um, week in college football. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a, you know, you, you see these preseason rankings, um, you know, people give their, their preseason insights. Um, you know, we track the transfer portal, we track recruiting, we track coaching changes. And, um, you know, we, we get to see, you know, what we kind of come up with in, in the preseason. And, um, you know, now we have two weeks in, we have a lot of data points and, um, you know, it's it's really a kind of a tough landscape to really understand, um, you know, who's legit and who's not. Um, there's been a lot of close games, a lot of, you know, wild games, um, big upsets, um, teams playing, you know, much, much above their talent level. Um, coaches, you know, taking on, um, you know, incredible staffs and out coaching them. And so, um, you know, it's a pretty crazy week. But, you know, I think the the, the thing you got to start with um, is the Notre Dame-Marshall game. And, um, you know – You mean Georgia Southern? Uh, no, Notre, Notre Dame-Marshall. Um, and so, you know, I, I think Marcus Freeman, he's – 0-3, the first coach to ever go 0-3 in Notre Dame history, I believe. Um, you, you can fact check me on that one, but, but I'm pretty sure I, I heard that statistic. And so um, that's not good. That's not good to see a team like Marshall, who has a significantly lower caliber um, uh, talent, talent level or, you know, talent player, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, for them to go in and, and beat not only beat Notre Dame, but kind of dominate them and you know I think if um there was a fifth or sixth quarter to that game I I think Marshall 
wins by even more. Um, Notre Dame just did not look good. Um, you know, Marshall seemed more physical on the lines. Um, Notre Dame doesn't have, you know, their, their quarterback got hurt and, um, I wasn't really, you know, we weren't really confident in, in the first trainer anyway. So, um, you know, it's, it's not looking good for Notre Dame and, um, you know, they, they play a tough schedule. They got some tough games coming up. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to see where they go from here. And, you know, to be honest, I, I, I never really under, you know, I, I believe that coach Freeman's a, a great coach. I, I believe he's a young ascending um, coach that could have a long career, but I, I don't know if he was quite ready for the Notre Dame job to, to be honest. Um, he's never been a head coach before he's in his, I believe in his mid thirties. Um, and you know, a place like Notre Dame, you can go out and get a big time head coach. You know, you, you still have, um, you know, a lot of brand power. You got a lot of money and, you know, they, they could have went and, you know, made a new coaching hire and, um, you know, brought in a new staff, but instead they, they went with Freeman and tried to kind of keep the stability that, that Brian Kelly had. Um, but, you know, it, I, I don't know if it's working out and, you know, I think in this day and age, I, I think it's better to go offensive um, coach. I know if I was an athletic director and hiring at a place like Notre Dame, I, I would look for an offensive coach. That's just the way it seems that college football is going. Um, and there's a lot of data to, to support that. Um, so tough time to be a Notre Dame fan. Uh, you know, I don't think there's much I can um, paint in a positive light. Um you just got to start winning ball games, but um, hats off to Marshall. Um, I know their coach, I, I forget his name. I know their coach has kind of bounced around a few years. I know he's been ridden off. I believe he coached under Saban for a while at Alabama and um, typical Saban fashion kind of uh, revived his career maybe, but, but um, you know, that was a tough Marshall team that they, they look good. And, you know, if I was looking for a head coach, cough, cough, Nebraska cough, um, you know, I, I might look at a guy like that. <laughs> um, yeah. We could talk about them in a minute. So the thing is about, you know, Marshall, there is that, what was it, about 20 years ago now, they had the plane crash and almost abolished football, period. You know, they yeah. all here. And then they go into Notre Dame and they beat the Domers in, you know, in South Bend. It's just, it's stunning. I mean, it's just stunning. I Marcus Freeman is ready for prime time. I mean, what about I, the Cincinnati yeah. coach? Why didn't they hire him? Yeah, <laughs> I, that's a good question. I, I think that guy is proven himself as a, as a head coach. Um, and, you know, he's a Midwest guy and, you know, you had an opportunity there last year when, you know, he was, he was kind of hot, hot off the, uh, on the hot name on the market, I guess. And, um, you know, I, I know he's, he's pretty, uh, he, he likes the Cincinnati situation and I, I believe they gave him a raise, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I never really quite understood that. I, I think in this day and age in college football, you need a, you need a, kind of a splash you need a you know a Mario Cristobal to Miami type hire a Lincoln Riley to USC type of hire and I think it was it was an underwhelming hire and 
you know, like I said, I, I'm not trying to take anything from, from Marcus Freeman. I, I, you know, I, I could see him being a longtime head coach. He has that, um, he has a presence about him that, you know, seems legit and real that I bet a, you know, 18 to 22 year old would respect, but, you know, I'm not sure he, um, is, is ready for this job. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of chances to prove himself. So, um, We'll see what happens, but but really not a good look for Notre Dame. I, I don't think there's much positive to to take from that at all. You'd think after um, losing to Ohio State, you would take take it out on a team like Marshall and you know want to beat the crap out of them. And it, they just didn't look um, they didn't look fiery. They didn't. It, it was underwhelming. Yeah, and it, you know there is a you know there's an art and science to coach. Certainly the science, you know, the X's and O's, but it's also from an art standpoint, it's coming off a tough loss to a big team and then like to an Ohio State and then getting your team psyched, enthused and pointing to Marshall after a big loss. And that's the virtue of the got experience like another person that comes to mind um is shaw from stanford right i mean he's had to he's had to recruit and he's got very credible teams you know in an academic environment and maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the notre dame vanderbilt rice and stanford theory you know, about, you know, about the academics, like you and I talked about already, but, yeah. you know, to, to not go through an exhaust that may have led you to Marcus Freeman anyways, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, to me, it's a huge mistake by Notre Dame. And I think, I think, I think Marcus Freeman's going to fail, unfortunately. I, I do too. And, you know, like I keep saying, that, that doesn't mean his career is a failure. Um, you know, taking on the the job as the Notre Dame head coach as a 35-year-old is, is, you know, is impressive in itself to even be in a position like that, to be even considered to be hired is, is an impressive feat in itself. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think they needed something with a little more stability. And, you know, I've never really thought about that, David Shaw. Um, th- you know, he, he has a huge contract with Stanford. Um, they're paying him a lot of money. But, you know, a guy like that would be a, you know, he's, he's a proven winner. Um, you know, he has kind of dragged his feet in the mud a little bit in terms of um, uh, embracing the modern day college football. But, um, you know, he, he understands how to recruit to an environment where academics are, are very important. And so, um, yeah, he, you know, someone like him would have been a good hire, but, um, you know, that's Marcus Freeman's in the coach. So, you know, they, they got to figure stuff out quickly. Yes. All right. Which game would you like to go to next? Yeah, I would probably say the the next big one would be Texas A&M, um, losing to, to Appalachian state and, um, you know, I, I, what a disappointment, what a disappointment. There's so much, so many high hopes coming into this season. 
such a talented roster, so many little areas that, you know, you could look at this team and say, wow, um, you know, they, they really had something going here. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is um, Jimbo Fisher's not, not getting the job done. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people have been complaining about the offense, the steam um, saying it's, it's outdated. And I think, I think it's a perfect example of, you know, what I've, was talking about a little earlier is that you, you can't be dragging the feet, your feet through the mud. And, you know, a guy like Jimbo Fisher, he's, he's coached national championship teams. He's coached Heisman quarterbacks. He's had, you know, um, tons of NFL talent go through his programs over the years. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that this game is changing ever rapidly. And if you are not willing to adapt, you are, going to die. Um, you know, I'm not saying Texas A&M's dead or anything like that, but they need to figure something out really quickly because the offense that they're running is, is, um, almost archaic in, in 2022 college football terms. Um, so they're going to have to make some changes. Jimbo Fisher is going to have to um, give in a little bit to, to what's going on or, or it's just not going to work. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's, not, it's not going to get any easier. Like, you know, you, you had to win these games. You, you really did had to win a game like that. Um, you have Miami coming into town next week. That's going to be a fired up Miami team who, um, you know, has something to prove themselves. And, you know, there's, it's a new look for crystal ball and, um, you know, they're going to be fired up for that game. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond to, um, you know, that loss. And, you know, it's it's very embarrassing, very embarrassing. And, um, you know, they, they got this number one recruiting class last year, these guys, these freshmen. And, um, you know, in in this day and age, you know, these guys could turn on you real quick. Real quick, yeah, they, could be in the, yeah. they could be in the transfer portal in you know December and uh, you know be be elsewhere and make an impact on you know some some teams that are you know up to date with with what, how the college football world's going. Um, so you know, I think Jimbo Fisher is is seeing that that hot seat warm up, and like I said, it's not getting any easier. You got my oh man town and. And then you got the, you know, SEC West schedule. So, um, you know, I kind of look at, you know, based on what they, they've done so far and what they have left, I am kind of scratching my head to, to really see where this works out for them. Um, I don't this see man, it working out. For I think, I think old Jimbo is sitting on a volcano, man. He um, is, he is. Also but, too, let me sorry, I, I got, go yeah, for. go ahead. Um, props to Appalachian state. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Um, the fact that they aren't a top 25 team in the nation is, is insane to me. Um, it it really is. I mean, they took, uh, Mac Brown and Mac Brown in North Carolina, who similar to Texas A&M, maybe not quite as talented as Texas A&M, but still a very talented team has a lot more quality four or five-star players than a team like Appalachian State and Appalachian State took them to, you know, national two national championship winning coaches. I mean, think about what they did in two weeks. <laughs> um, you know, you got to give them credit. And 
you know, they almost won a shootout against a North Carolina team, and they, they won a defensive standoff game the next week against an even more talented team. So, um, you know, look for that coach. You know, I, I'm, I apologize. I, I don't have his name available, but um, they, they're doing something right there. And, um, you know, look for, uh, look for his name to, to rapidly be coming up the list. And, you know, I know, I, I know uh, actually um, Appalachian State plays Troy next week. And I know college game day is going out to um, App, App State to, uh, to do the pregame environment. So pretty, uh, pretty fired up fan base right now. I saw some partying in the streets of, uh, gosh, I, I can't remember the town. It's a small North Carolina town, but they were going wild. I think there was a lot of beer drinking on that day. So good for them. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's exciting to see, um, you know, a, a team that shouldn't, um, shouldn't be even in the conversation is now dead center in the middle of the conversation. And, you know, when you look at a 12 team playoff, which I've had some doubts on, you know, you look at a team like Appalachian state and you just go, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 12 person playoff is, is good for a team like app state, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting time, but um, Jimbo Fisher better, you better figure things out quick or, or this thing could come crashing down. And it could be very, very, very ugly for Texas A&M. And it's looking like that. Stunning defeat. Stunning defeat. Um, Where would you like to go next? I think you got it. Buddy Clay? Yes, yes. Um, Yes, I would. Um, Nebraska, Georgia Southern. So um, I believe the final score was 45-42. Um, Georgia Southern goes into Nebraska, into Nebraska, and puts up over 600 yards of off total offense on, um, you know what what's supposed to be a you know good defensive team in, in Nebraska, and um, you know could move the ball at will, and um, you know I think for you and I, uh, Clay Heldon's a, when you say the name Clay Heldon, um, a lot of uh, emotions come up, <laughs> maybe not the best emotions. Um, but in the end of the day, I'm, I'm really happy for the guy. Um, he's, he's a good man. He's proven he's a good man. He, he might not be, um, you know, the best fit for, for a place like USC, but to see him, um, you know, with, with all the kind of trash that he's taken over, um, you know, the past couple months and, you know, his name kind of getting dragged through the mud and it, you know, it can't be easy, you know, regardless of how much money he made it at USC <laughs> still can't be easy. And, you know, I'm happy for the guy to, to come in and get the, what I would say, you know, I, I don't know Georgia Southern football history, but I <laughs> I have to think that that's the best win in, in their program history. So um happy for him. Um <laughs> so let me let me you know what's funny about this Matt is that I don't think he could have brought USC football team in last year into Nebraska and win no I he he brings Georgia Southern in with how can that possibly happen I mean, did he ever put up 600 yards of total offense? I mean, did he put up all 600 yards of total offense all last year? I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, you know, 
incredible. So I, you know, I don't know what happened, but you know, I hope it's the start of a long, um, great career for him at, at Georgia Southern. And, you know, I, I wish him the best. So, um, you know, let's, uh, move on to the, to the other part of this. So this, before you, uh, before, game. can I, can I ask you a question, please? Um, yeah. so Scott Frost is gone. Scott Frost is gone. Yes. Yes. And uh, any thought on who, who could Nebraska or is it, do you think it's just a lost cause? I, to be on, you know, it's, look, it's, it's still one of the biggest brands in college football. Um, it, it always will be, you know, what, what they did in the, the eighties and nineties was, was incredible. And, um, you know, known for a, for a style of football that's, um, you know, tough and hard nosed. And, um, you know, I, I, I just don't know if it, you know, yes, the brand name is there, but I, I just don't know if it's as attractive of a place as, um, you know, one might think the, you know, yeah. Nebraska football is, um, you, you have no recruiting brace, excuse me, you have no recruiting base in, in the state of Nebraska. I, I would assume you get most of your players out of the state of Texas and, um, the state of Texas is very crowded right now in terms of, you know, recruits and, um, you know, I, I just don't know if, if this is a, as sexy of a job as, um, you know, an LSU or a Texas or a USC or a Miami or, you know, some of the other, um, you know, known powers over the years that have kind of dropped off. So um, I don't know, you know, I, I've heard Matt Campbell, I think his name's going to come up for, for any legit job, but, you know, I, I almost see that as a lateral move for him. Um, I don't think there's anything in 2022 college football that Iowa state can do. That's different from what Nebraska could, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like, um, you know, Urban Meyer, obviously his name gets, gets brought up and, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the type of program he would want to come back to. Um, I think there's only a few, few programs he would want to go back to. And I, I don't know if that's, that's one of them. So, um, you know, maybe look at some of these, you know, I know the NC state coach is, has done a lot of good things over the past um, couple years, a lot of, you know, a lot of people like the Wake Forest coach, um, you know, look at the Marshall coach and the Appalachian state coach. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just don't think that this is as attractive as a job as it, as it once was. I will say Nebraska, um, clearly has a lot of money. Um, I don't know if you, you picked up on this, but if they would have, their, their buyout when they fired Scott Frost, they had to pay him, I believe, fifteen and a half million dollars. And yeah. if they wait, if they waited three weeks, including one of the weeks, which is a buy, and then I free, they had a game. I believe it's maybe Texas or somebody, Oklahoma, maybe where you almost kind of say that's probably a, a loss anyway. So if they would have waited three weeks, including a buy week that would have dropped that buyout would have dropped from 15 million to about seven and a half million. I believe the number is. So the, the fact that, I mean, just think about this, Nebraska thinks that keeping or firing Scott Frost 
three weeks early is worth the seven and a half million dollars that they have to pay. Um, that that yeah. is amazing. Yeah, I, I you know it, it is amazing, and you know I don't know if that's incompetence. Um, it sounds like it would be to me. Um, it's a lot of money, um, you know, or it's just the fact that maybe this this program is just willing to to pay money. You know, maybe maybe that's a you know, maybe a flashy sign to the next coach and, you know, Hey, we, we got resources here. I don't know what it was. It doesn't look good, especially after a loss to, to a clay Heldon <laughs> Georgia Southern team, but um, we'll see, man. It, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'll go out and say on a limb, I don't ever see Nebraska winning a national championship. Um, the way college football is played today in 2022. I don't know what it's going to be like in 50 years, but I, I just don't see Nebraska ever being um, as good as they were in their heyday. I like it, Matt. Um, good take. So where would you like to go next? Well, um, let's see. There was a couple small upsets that, you know, I think are pretty notable. Washington state goes into Wisconsin, um, plays really well, plays gritty. Um, kind of, uh, you know, maybe a sneaky team that nobody really expected and they look pretty good beat a, beat a Wisconsin team that, um, you know, is always physical, big, um, is going to run the ball. And I, I believe they held them under 20 points. Um, I have to double check, but, um, you know, shout out to them. That's a, that's a good win. Good win for the pac 12. Um, BYU beats Baylor in, in overtime in a, in a really uh, close game, maybe double overtime. I, you know, I forget, but um, you know, tough, gritty win for, for BYU. They're, they're doing something right there. Um, you know, they, they could even be better than, than Utah. Um, everyone thought Utah was, was the best team in the West coming into this season and they might not even be the best team in their own state. Um, <laughs> and it kind of had me thinking that I think Utah is a pretty damn underrated football state if you ask me um seems like that you know they're they're doing something right over there um, <laughs> yeah so i mean that's um, a huge win for the cougars huge win huge win and i mean it's you know when especially in you know knowing dave aranda he's such a good coach he's such a quality x's and o's guys and um to win a close game like that yes you were at home um but I believe their two big receivers were out. Their number one and two receivers are out. And to, to pull off a win like that, um, really good coaching job by that staff. Um, you know, underrated coach as well, BYU coach. He's done a lot of good things. You know, I, I know um, there's a religious aspect there. And, you know, maybe he's he's settled there. But, um, you, know, the, you know, BYU looks like a much better program than Nebraska. So, you know, maybe, maybe look to – I believe Kalani strike, I believe I I'm, I'm butchering the name and I apologize, but um, good football coach. I think he's proven it over a few years. Um, they always, they always play above their talent level. And that's, that's a really good sign. So it's a good win for them. And once again, once again, Matt, this proves the, the point we made earlier about Notre Dame is there's football coaches out there that are, you know, that are, that are toiling in obscurity that are not working for brand program, bring a level of maturity 
Like, I, I find it hard to believe that that Washington State coach uh, would not do a better job than Marcus Freeman or the BYU or Winningham, you know, for Utah. It's just – it's stunning to me that they – How just... about Oregon State's coach? They win two, yes. two close game going into Boise um, and then beat Fresno State. I mean, you know, close games, it's – you know, they're doing something right. Yes, uh, you know, I, I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, we are kind of seeing in, in college football, there, there is a lot of money being thrown around, and it's starting to trickle down into these um, – Maybe not, you know, tier one or tier two programs, but kind of middle of the pack. And, you know, you're seeing, seeing, you know, a guy like Dave Aranda doesn't want to leave a place like Baylor. Um, you know, um, BYU getting better, uh, Arkansas getting better, Tennessee getting better, Oregon State getting better. A um, lot of, a lot of, a lot of programs are on the rise here. And I think you're kind of seeing a, shift in power a little bit in college football and I I think over you know last year you saw it a little bit it didn't really end up that way because it was obviously Georgia and Bama but um you were seeing a little bit more parity last year as as the season went along and I think we're starting to see that as well and you know kind of with the shift of you know seeing a, a big name guy like like Lincoln Riley at USC and um Crystal Ball at Florida they're gonna start chipping away at you know some of these big time recruits um in these fertile recruiting areas. And um, I think you're going to see a little shift in power, um, you know, over the next five, 10 years. So I, I think that's exciting. I think people have SEC fatigue. Um, I know I do. Um, but uh, I mean, Bama, yeah. was so Bama was so lucky. They looked vulnerable too. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, um, there's a couple different lenses that you can look through for this. Um, excellent job by Texas. They, you know, they were gritty. They were tough. Um, they just couldn't pull out a win. I hope it doesn't derail their season. Um, you know, there's two ways you can look at it. If you're Texas, you could look at it as this is, you know, a, a really valiant effort against the, the model program in, in college football. And, um, so, you know, you could look at it from that lens or you could look at it as, you know, hopefully this doesn't, you know, they don't dwell on this. They don't lose confidence. You know, they kind of derails their season and um, it makes, reminds me a lot of um, Florida, Alabama last year. Alabama went into Florida, um, barely snuck out a, a close gritty win against a, a tough, talented Florida team. And, um, you know, Florida kind of crumbled after that, um, after that, that loss and, you know, was not the same all year. And so hopefully um, a team like Texas doesn't fall into a trap like that. Um, I'm not ready to say Texas is back or anything like that, but um, I think there was some good, some good signs. Um, but yes, I, you know, in terms of Alabama, they, they did look vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I, question their play calling a little bit um I, I don't know if they have the weapons that they've had in past years uh you know defensively their their stud will anderson was um not didn't disappear but you know had a lot of penalties and just didn't play up to the level that he um normally does and without you know a incredible effort by bryce Young. 
late in the fourth quarter, who wasn't all that impressive all game. I, I wouldn't say he was um, bad or anything like that. I know his receivers dropped a couple critical plays, but, you know, he didn't really look that amazing till the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, he, he did what he needed to do to, to get his team team a win on the road in a tough environment. So, um, you know, we'll see how Alabama reacts to that. I, I, you know, I think Nick Saban is um, the model of consistency. And so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they look really good the next couple weeks. Um, but um, we'll see that, you know, fun atmosphere, fun game to watch. Um, glad to see, you know, the Texas crowd um, back and, and kind of having that prideful sense that they've always had. Um, so fun game to watch and uh, happy to, you know, it was, it was awesome to wake up at 9 a.m. And, and have a game like that. <laughs> that was fun. And how about Bryce Young on those last two drives? It was stunning. Stunning. Yeah, he's he, – you know, I, I texted you this is, you know, this is, this is what he does is he, you know, makes play. The guy has ice r- running through his veins and he makes the plays that he needs to make. He, you know, he, last year against Auburn, same type of thing, ugly game. Um, Bama wasn't playing their best and, you know, has an incredible drive at the end to, to put them in overtime and then has an incredible overtime to, to win them the game. And, very similar to that has, um, you know, very similar to the game we saw on Saturday. And Bryce Young looked good. He, you know, he, he's just a playmaker. He's he's one of the most cerebral quarterbacks you'll ever see. Has a sense for the pocket that's, um, I, you know, I, I, you just can't coach that. You know, who I have – that's God-given. Um, he's quick. He's fast. He gets the ball out quickly. Um, incredibly accurate and, and he's a good kid. So, um, you know, Bama is lucky to have them because I think he is, I think they probably have another three or four losses over the past two years. Um, if Bryce Young isn't their quarterback. No question. I mean, the way he avoided that sack on the last drive, I mean, that guy had a clear shot and he ducked under him and then took off and got the first down right there yeah yeah the guy is slippery um and he, he gets it done when he needs to and uh when his team needs to and uh he's a hell of a player hell of a player i best player in the country i, I think i look like it this week so is there any other place you would like to go not really well um you know in terms of, of particular games I think we we covered most of them you know I'm sure we're we're missing a couple but um you know always always have time to uh talk about my uh my USC Trojans so um you know chat away Matt you saved the best for last um where to start I would say offensively I think we are seeing uh, pure brilliance at the quarterback position. I think we're seeing pure brilliance as a as a play caller, as a as a coach who's who's calling plays, um, dialing up plays. I think we're seeing true greatness. And um, you know, the first first couple drives, they were unstoppable. Um, I don't believe they had a third down. 
you might have to check me on this one, but I don't even I don't even know if they had a third down in like the first or second quarter. Um, please, please fact check me on that one. But you know they were just so efficient offensively, and they got the ball to so many different playmakers, and and those playmakers are so good and so elusive, and you know are such matchup nightmares for for not just a team like Stanford, but I would say anyone, um, literally anyone. Um, Jordan Addison is the best receiver in the country, I believe. Um, and I believe that their receiving core is, is the best receiving core in the country. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that are not even getting, you know, guy like Kyle Ford or Gary Bryant Jr. Um, are two incredible wide receivers that have incredible skill sets and they haven't even really been featured in this offense yet. Um, you know, so, um, you know, another, another thing to know about the offense is the offensive line is really good. Um, you know, not, not just good or decent, really good. There is a push off the ball. It seems like every single time, um, you know, running backs are not getting touched until, you know, the linebacker areas, um, pass pro that, you know, they have time all day to pass. Um, and, you know, they're finishing blocks. Another thing I'm seeing about SC is, is I'm seeing the running backs. They're always falling forward on runs. They're never falling backwards. They're always falling forward. So, um, testament to the, the strength and conditioning testament to just the toughness, um, you know, the offense is, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how the season plays out, but you know, top three offense, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I, I might even put them number one. We'll see Ohio state and Georgia, um, are, you know, Ohio state and Georgia. So we'll, we'll see how, you know, the season comes along, but you know, I, I think they're a legitimate top 10 team. Just because I'm a homer, I don't want to give a number, but I, I think it's higher than, than people think. Um, so couldn't be happier about the offense. Um, defense, there are clear, clear issues. Um, defensive line, I, you know, I don't think there's any um, way to hide it or anything like that. The, the defensive line is, is not up to par with the rest of the team. But, but there are some things I am seeing about the defense that are um, encouraging in that, I mean, I think we're the number one takeaway team in the country, meaning we we've had more turnovers than any team in the country. Double check me on that one. Um, But I mean, they just seem to be making plays, um, you know, making plays in, in the red zone, um, just kind of making tough gritty plays when they need to. Um, Max Williams had maybe the best um, tackle, um, punch out, uh, right. fumble. I Sorry, I'm having a tough time describing what it was, but he put his helmet right where it needed to be and caused a fumble on like the one or two yard line. And, um, you know, they're, they're getting interceptions. They're, they're tipping the ball and, and making plays. Um you know, I, like I said, I don't think, I don't think our defense could stop a team like Georgia or Ohio State, but we might be able to make plays, enough plays in a situation that our offense 
um, who I believe is unstoppable. Um, you, you, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the offense will be unstoppable, and I think the defense will be able to make enough plays to, to win some games. Um, you know, we'll see. I think Stanford is, is a quality opponent, so it's good to see them um, kind of beat the brakes off them. You know, I know the score was, what, 13 points, 14 points, but I, I think it was more like a 21, 28-point type game. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, one, one thing I was thinking about, about this SC team, and, you know, I know it's only week two, and, you know, I know I don't want to jump the gun into next year because um, this is such an exciting thing that we have here. But I believe it was five different transfers, transfers scored on really? Saturday. Really? Yes. That's yes. unbelievable. And what so a great you have, stack. You have a transfer quarterback who's already a Heisman contender. You have five transfers scoring, um, you know, in week two. You have Lincoln Riley who's proven already that he puts – consistently puts people in the NFL. I mean, who would not want to come play here? Who would not really? want to come play here in the offseason? I mean, you know – Look, I would not be surprised if there's a bunch of guys from Texas A&M um, in the portal and, and heading heading west to play at USC next year. Just also Lincoln Riley's got a lot of Texas ties, but um, I, you know I, it's becoming a really attractive place. Um, you know, I, I just hope that they just play with consistency week to week, and you know, play play with a mission in mind. Um, you know, I wasn't thrilled with their second half performance. Um, you know, it seems like maybe they, the offense let up a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, exciting times, exciting times. So Matt, this podcast several times, our college football consultant to the Who Gives a Shit file, and you know it's open mic time. In summation, what would you like to say about either week two or the status of college football right now? Um, I guess I'll finish with, um, you know, it, it's I, I kind of alluded to it a couple minutes ago that, you know, I think we're seeing a lot more parity in college football. I think the the middle of the pack is much better than it was, you know, from team 15 to 70. I, I just think that that level of team is a lot better than it used to be. Um, I think it was a little bit more top heavy in the past. Um, so, you know, I think we're seeing more college par or parity in college football. And, you know, I think it's an exciting thing, you know, especially for guys on, you know, the East coast or, you know, in Big Ten area or West Coast or pretty much anyone um, not in SEC country. I, I think it's a good thing. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting year, and I'm excited to see some see some new names um, step up. So um, exciting year. I'm, I'm very excited. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, – we have a few weeks until we have, and, you know, a couple, couple juicy games again. I think there's going to be a little lull in terms of the quality of games – um, but, um, you know, excited to see where the season goes.
Well, Matthew, man, Matthew James English, thank you very much for for being the college consultants on <laughs> our podcast here. And I really appreciate you showing up and we look forward to hearing from you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and happy birthday. Bye.